another week, another opportunity, JK. I'm not Trey Young, but this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and I'm Lauren Williams, the host and beat reporter covering the Hawks for the AJC, and I'm so glad to be back with you guys. Another episode of the Hawks Report. It's been quite a week for the Hawks. They finished out a homestand, a five-game homestand on the winning side of things, going three and two in those last five games. And it's been an eventful week or uneventful week, depending on how you guys want to look at it. Daniel Salerson, my producer, and I will get into all of that and everything that has happened since we last spoke to you guys last week. And if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to like, rate, subscribe, wherever it is you guys get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. Hey, Daniel, what did you think about that intro that I just did? (laughs) It was amazing. It was award-winning. I'm going to submit it to whatever podcast awards we could win. Uh, I don't know what those are, but we will win one because of that tease. So (laughs) thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, we're here to talk about the Hawks, not about winning awards. It was quite an eventful week for the Hawks. You know, they had their annual MLK game here in Atlanta where they hosted the Spurs, got a chance to see number one overall pick, Victor Wembanyama, and of course, that was an eventful game. You know, the Hawks couldn't let you guys just appreciate a solid blowout. Instead, they blew a 35-point lead, allowing the Spurs to get as close to six points, but they held on and, and finished out the game. But you know what? They're on the right side of the win-loss column after that five-game homestand, something that the Hawks have struggled to do this season in terms of protecting home court. So, Daniel, over the last couple of days or over the last week, the Hawks have almost been on the right side of a blowout, but you know, a couple times been on the wrong side of a blowout with blowout losses to the Pacers and the Washington Wizards on back-to-back nights. Not great. <laughs> Not great at all. And what's you mentioned the wash the loss to the Washington Wizards. 
that could have been a four and one homestand if you take care of business mm-hmm. against them because they have no business winning a lot of games. And so the fact that the Hawks lost to them, um, I was like, oh, my God, here we go again. But you did go three and two, um, mm-hmm. which deserves a pat on the back because you always want a winning homestand. But mm-hmm. if there's one thing I've learned about the Hawks, and you kind of mentioned it. If you're a fan, whether you're watching at home or at the game, do not leave early. Because no. more than likely, no matter if they're down 20 or up mm-hmm. 20, it will come down to the wire. And Monday's game on Saturday, Monday afternoon against the Spurs proved that. When I was watching, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can do a little bit of things around the house. They're up by 30. No. And then nope. all of a sudden, it was nope. I get Lauren's tweets. They are alerts <laughs> on my phone. And I'm like, why do I have to go back to my TV? What is going on? And yeah. make me sweat through it. So... They don't make things easy. This is not the first time that they've blown a big lead and either Mm -hmm. lost it or almost lost it. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big things. And you've discussed this many times on the podcast. It's kind of one of their biggest bugaboos is the fact that they cannot close out games or have a hard time closing out games. But Monday, man, oh, man, I can't believe it actually came down to the final few minutes when you were in cruise control. And that's when even Popovich was benching his starters (laughs) out of the third quarter. So they weren't even playing their starters. And that's when it started creeping up on the Hawks. I think they got, you know, a little too relaxed in that situation. But Greg Popovich is going to coach his guys no matter what. And that's what it came down to. It's nice to see, though, they overcome some adversity the other night. Paolo Bancaro hits that big three to tie things up. Shantae Murray calls game. Big time win over the Magic. Now you've won. You know, you're leading the series against them this year, which is big. You never know if that can come into play down the stretch. So um, overall, Good, not great homestand. Could have been four and one, but you'll take three and two at this point. Absolutely. And I think, you know, with this Hawks team, there's a lot that they obviously, you know, need to address and get better at. I think one of the big things that we saw that's been a constant problem for this Hawks team is just getting back in transition, whether that's off of live rebounds or when they're taking the ball, you know, out of the net. They're, they're just not getting back in time. And, you know, in that fourth quarter, I mean, how many times did we see the San Antonio Spurs kind of push the ball ahead to to Victor Wemanyama for some easy layups? And once that guy is out in transition, there's not really much you can do. I mean, he's 7'3", a unicorn. He can, he can shoot the ball. I mean, they were lucky that some of those threes that he took – did not go in because it might have been a completely different story, you know, that that the lead was completely gone because two of those shots from three go in, that's the game right there. And it could have gone to overtime. And it's just, you know, the Haw- it, it, it's, it's surreal kind of thinking about how the Hawks know what it is that's their issue. They obviously watch a lot of film to try and address it. You know, Coach... Quinn Snyder is talking about it with them all the time in those meetings. And, you know, he mentions it to us in his availabilities, whether that's pre or post game. And of course, you know, he's made the joke to me before, if he's talking about it to us in the media, he's talking about it with the team. So it's interesting how it's something that's consistently discussed, but it's as if they can't put what they're discussing in terms of those words into action. So I think that's just kind of the biggest step for this team to to take is just now making sure that they're consistently doing what it is that they talk about, what they know that they need to fix and putting it into action. And so, of course, you know, brings up questions about, all right, well, if you know what it is that you need to do, 
where is, where are you guys focusing your energy? What are you guys focusing on during the games? And and that's something that Quinn Snyder has pointed to a lot that that focus and execution just aren't where they need it to be. And you know, this team does like to point to itself as as being a young team, but when you think about the core, I mean, the core of those guys have been in the league for and I'm not counting recently where They've needed to start Sadiq Bey more frequently with DeAndre Hunter being out for the last few weeks with after having a procedure to address right knee inflammation. But when you think about that core, you have Clint Capella, you have Trey Young, you have DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter. Really only Jalen Johnson is the only one in that group that has not been in the league for more than four years. I mean, this he's he's in his third year. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, how much can you blame youth for for being the, the issue that's not allowing them to focus and to execute accordingly? So that's, of course, one of the things that they'll have to, to continue addressing. And, and maybe some of that focus is out the window because of all the things that are happening outside. But as professionals, you have to make sure that what you're what you're doing on the court isn't affected by what's happening outside and and so of course they're human beings you absolutely have to acknowledge that but at the same time when it's your job you do have to try and make sure that the focus is there and it hasn't been on a consistent basis but i will give them credit for stringing together two straight wins you know with the, against the spurs and then in Wednesday night's game against the Magic, they staved off overtime thanks to DeJounte Murray with a huge shot from mid-range. He pulled up on Markel Fultz and knocked down a mid-range jumper and, you know, staved off overtime. So they did just enough. They had just enough focus to kind of execute some of those things down the stretch, particularly because they had to overcome some pretty big things, some pretty big self-inflicted wounds in that first half where they were allowing the magic to just get offensive rebound after offensive rebound and turning over the ball and and things like that they they managed to get back into the game get the rhythm on their side and you know carry the lead at least down the stretch before Paolo Bancaro hit that big three and then DeJounte had to rush down to the other side to get that that jumper yeah, for sure. And I think you're spot on as far as the focus. And look, it's the NBA. I feel like most players will be focused more on the offensive side than the defensive side. It's just natural. You see the stats on your offensive side. People look at points, rebounds, assists, blocks, shooting percentage, all that. So naturally, I think players, obviously, when you're focusing, when you're practicing, they want to focus on the offense, getting shots up, getting their shots. But at the same time, you're right. This team is not young enough to use that as an excuse as far as defense. And I think defense, more than half the battle is just effort and attitude and willingness. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be a good defensive team. And it's not just one player buying in. It's got to be everyone buying in. Because if one person doesn't buy in, then it's going to go off the rails as far as your defensive effort. Four guys could guard their guys really well. The other one loses his opponent on a backdoor cut or help defense. The play's dead, and you allow points on the possession. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the the viral video of Julius Randle a couple days ago. Misses two free throws. 
lollygags down the court, completely mm-hmm. loses guys. They get two mm-hmm. offensive rebounds, end up losing that possession by allowing points, and everyone's like, what was that? It just takes mm-hmm. one. Did you see everyone else mm-hmm. on the play? They played great defense. They forced the other team into a big jumper. I forget who they were playing at the time. And at the same time, if Randall is just grabbing a body, mm-hmm. they probably get off that possession without allowing points. So to your point, defense is crucial. And you know Quinn Snyder keeps focusing on that, keeps emphasizing that. But if the players don't focus on it and put the effort in, then he's just going to be talking to a wall. And so it, yep. it is on the players to start executing better because, again, most of them, and it's not just players in the Hawks, it's everyone in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You have to get buy-in on defense. And if you don't, then you're going to be in trouble. Then you have to rely a lot more on your offense. Mm-hmm. And when you come down to it, when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to the finals, if you're not playing any defense, you're not going to win at all. So um, Abs- I think that's absolutely. the biggest thing you have to worry about for the Hawks is just that discipline. And the biggest thing is effort. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you touched on it. It's, you know, obviously committing to defense, but it's make sure that they're committing to defense and playing through as, you know, Quinn Snyder has said plenty of times, finishing out the possessions. And part of that is just make sure, making sure that they're putting bodies on people so that they're boxing out, they're they're making contact and getting them out of the way so that they can compete for that rebound and, and get the ball back to the other side so that they can try and have as many offensive possessions as possible. I think the big thing in that first half for the Hawks is, you know, not every night you're going to shoot over 50% from the floor. And had they not shot the ball that well on Wednesday night, we could be talking about a very different outcome as far as the game. And I will give this team credit where they did not let their defense as far as, you know, getting enough stops affect how they performed on the um offensive end. We saw some really good things from Trey Young. He had 12 assists in Wednesday night's game. DeJounte Murray added in another five. And so it ended up netting the Hawks some really good looks where they had six of the eight players in the rotation and the evening in double figures. And that's the sort of stuff that you want to see from that Hawks backcourt. Who knows how long we'll continue to see that. Of course, with all the rumors still swirling around about where DeJounte Murray might land and and whether the Hawks can find a trade partner and and everything like that. But that's the sort of stuff that you want to see. And, and, you know, again, the fact that we're seeing Jalen Johnson be somebody who can continue to be a facilitator and him getting more comfortable in that role, that'll also play a huge part in the Hawks' ball movement. But they also have to, as we keep saying, commit on the defensive end. So I do, again, I do want to give them credit for not letting, you know, their lack of finishing out possessions on defense affect how they played offensively because we've seen it time and time again that that kind of ends up being this cyclical thing that, you know, things go poorly on defense, it trickles onto the offensive end, and then therefore it then trickles back onto the defensive end, and it's it's a bad recipe. And so, yeah, I, I, just seeing how, you know, Trey found people, fed the, the bigs very quickly, very, made decisive, quick possessions, decisive, quick reads, excuse me. Uh, of course, <laughs> the other side of that is the turnovers because they did gave up like 13 turnovers in the first half, 14 turnovers in the first half, which is 
just terrible ending the game with 23 turnovers. But this Hawks team does typically take care of the ball. In the Magic, it's they're just a team that knows how to be disruptive. They have a lot of length. They have a lot of size. And that's part of the reason Quinn Snyder attributed to the poor rebounding on the other end. But again, putting bodies on people. You may not necessarily be the biggest team, but you can always make the effort to put bodies, make contact, and, and compete for those rebounds. So I think hopefully we'll see this team continue to to learn from these mistakes because one thing I think that also worked in their favor is that they were facing a young team in the magic and that inexperience, but that's not gonna that's not gonna be something that's gonna work for them every time moving forward because they do have a pretty t- tough stretch of games coming up. And Daniel and I will be here to talk about it when we get back from a break. This is a Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As always, I just want to take the time to thank all of you, our listeners and subscribers of the AJC as well as AJC.com. It goes without saying that you guys truly make all of this happen. The AJC does have a special deal available right now. For the next three months, you can get unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That means you're getting access to all of our stories, e-paper, politics, news, sports, and our assortment of newsletters. You can get this deal by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So the Hawks have a tough stretch coming up. Yeah, I was just looking at that schedule and I want to know why they decided to send the Hawks off on a West Coast trip just for two games. Normally, with an Easter Conference team, especially on the East Coast like the Hawks, you send them out there, you send them out there once for the year and do the whole do the whole state. Basically, you knock out Clippers, Lakers, Kings, Warriors, whatever you need to do. Sometimes Utah in there. But the fact that they're only going out there twice for the Kings and the Warriors means that they're going to have to go back out there again later on in the season. But yeah, you have the Heat on Friday, Cavaliers on Saturday, and the back-to-back. That's always any road home, home road back-to-backs are always tough. Kings, Warriors, Mavericks, all three tough games. I like how the Hawks-Mavericks game is part of rivalry week, and I don't know why the league is trying to push a rivalry between the two, and the only reason why they're doing it is because Trey versus Luka, the fact that those two were traded for each other, but no one... I mean, no one considers it a rivalry, which also makes a good point about I don't think there are really any rivalries left in the NBA. There might be a few based on recent yeah, I was gonna say, playoff matchups, but yeah, I don't think yep. there's 
like the Celtics Lakers is not a rivalry anymore. That was, no, that was a big one back in the day. You know, if like anything. Bulls, I would Knicks, say Bulls, Pistons, all those like all those things in the nineties yeah. are just they're dead. Exactly. If anything, I would say, you know, if you're thinking about rivalry week, you think, as you said, in recent recent date or recent years, you think Warriors, Warriors, Lakers, Warriors, Sacramento, because of last year's playoffs. You think maybe Milwaukee um boston again recent player playoffs milwaukee miami because they got eliminated um in the playoffs boston philly like those are the team those are the rivalries that i kind of think of as of late anything where that series got pushed to its limits that those are the things that you think of as rivalries recently even you can think i touched on a, a little bit maybe pacers milwaukee pacers bucks from from the ist you know, those that's that's what I feel like the NBA should kind of be looking toward. And that's where they make their adjustments. You know, you don't try to spin it as a rival rivalry week. Maybe you, you do rivalry month or something where you adjust accordingly based on how things have been shaking out as the season progresses. You know, you don't start that till the second half of the season where you face teams a few times already and you, you test out how those games looked and you go from there because if anything, that's to me that that's kind of the draw. Particularly if one side has, you know, kind of got the better of the other. Is it truly a rivalry anymore? <laughs> Can you no. really consider it that? No, and I think that's a great idea. And I think even in the beginning of the year, you know, they bring up the in-season tournament to try to get the buzz going with the NBA mm-hmm. right in the heart of when the NFL is doing really well. Call it rematch week or something. Take every single series from mm-hmm. the playoffs from the year before. And as long as those teams are still in good standing, play some of those again. Make it one weekend where all the rematches of the finals or the conference finals yeah. or the first round. Something where you start to get the bad blood from these teams. Like you talked about the Pacers Bucks in season tournament. Then you talk about Giannis and the game ball incident with the Pacers. I mean, yep. there's there's a lot of history with these teams just from those alone that might turn into a playoff series where it can even become more hostile and more intense. And then next mm-hmm. year, that's when you focus on those things. But they keep pushing the Luca versus Trey thing as a rivalry. It's tired. It, it is <laughs> what the NBA is trying to do because they are trying to get that rivalry like there's more rivals in the nfl Falcons, saints one of the biggest rivalries and these two teams legitimately yeah. each other you're just not on that level as far as the nba even in baseball braves yeah. and mets i also Brave just think baseball. too that the mavs and i was gonna say i also just think i don't think the mavs and and the hawks face each other enough to really yeah twice a year make it yeah make it considered a rivalry i feel like there should be a minimum of three games <laughs> a season before you can consider it maybe a rival. I mean, if anything, the closer rivalry that the Hawks might have is maybe, maybe the Knicks because of all that history right. from that Eastern Conference finals run and, and a little bit of that animosity that the fans might have toward Trey Young. But it, is it really a, a rivalry between the teams? Because I think... Most of the players that were on that team that the Hawks beat aren't on yeah. 
the Knicks anymore. It's a rivalry between Trey Young and Knicks fans. Mm-hmm. That's the rivalry between them, him and Madison Square Garden. That's your rivalry right there. I would say maybe right. Eat just because you've been in there in the division for so long, but there is no yes. hatred between the teams. But there is no. It, there's some intense battles when those two teams collide and they play four times a year. Obviously, mm-hmm. that would be your closest one. But if mm-hmm. you are maybe try to Charlotte, do that, even Charlotte, because it's for some reason the Hawks just seem to. St- not play the Hornets very well. Right. And maybe you add some incentive with these rivalry games. Like, you know, in college football, certain rivalries, there's a cup or a bowl that you're playing mm-hmm. in, like for a trophy. Mm-hmm. Maybe add one of those. Yeah. Well, that's where well, that's where the IST comes in. <laughs> right. But that's just one trophy. I'm saying like the winner of Hawks Heat, the season series gets the yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know if they need any more trophies in the NBA Not Daniel. Trophy, but <laughs> If you're trying to intense up rivalries, though. Yeah, I, I, I hear what I you're saying. I just I think they're wasting their time with it is what I'm saying. I, oh, I 1000 percent agree. I think that's yeah. that's definitely where we agree. Just because I, it just feels like to the modern NBA, the way that these guys play, it's as if once things are once once the final buzzer sounds, they're all cool again for the most part, Swap you know, they're swapping jerseys. They're they're giving each other hugs. They're high fiving, not high fiving, but they're they're dapping each other up after games because that's just how the modern NBA is now. So it's like, are are there the really guys new are rivals? Out with I mean, each other in the off season, right? Again, if anything, I feel like if there are any rivalries, they're more in the West than anything because when I think of rivalries, I think of <laughs> you know the Luke, and it it all stems from playoff series i think of the the luca quote to the suns everybody's tough when they're up sort of thing yeah, yeah the nuggets trash really... talking the lakers at their uh parade you know lakers nuggets yeah. a little bit of hostility there not a rivalry but just again it's you need to go based off recent stuff mm-hmm. not stuff from five years ago when luca and trey you're going to tune in because you want to watch those two guys play, but you're not going to tune in and go, man, what a big oh, rivalry. what a rivalry. This is yeah. intense, these two teams. Whenever they collide against each other, it's awesome. No, and it's on MT- NBA TV, number one, so you're not even <laughs> putting it in front of your main audience. It's If you have NBA TV, you can watch right. it. If not, then you have to rely on local television. Exactly. It's. I think we are in agreement. It's strange. Yes. It's so sorry to get off on a tangent. I just thought that was... No, it's okay. That's what that's what podcasts are about. Podcast hosts are supposed to be able to go off on a little mini rant every once in a while. It's what the people want. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll get a, a a strongly worded email about I'm tired of the rant about rivalry week. Let's talk about the Hawks again. So, go. we'll give you that for sure. Yeah, so I think Friday's game against the Heat will be, you know, a, uh, hopefully a good one. Unfortunately, Trey Young is listed as questionable with an illness, so he might not play. As of right now, I don't know, and because we're recording on a Thursday, I don't know if he traveled with the team. It could be a similar situation to what happened in Philadelphia where he was ill the day they listed him as ill the day before they traveled or the day of that of traveling so he didn't go with the team to philadelphia and then you know the hope had been he would feel well enough on the day which was that friday they'd hoped he would feel better and that he would travel later so that could be something that they potentially 
do again. And, and the benefit is that Miami is a much shorter flight than Philadelphia. So, yeah, we'll see if he is with the team at shoot around on Friday morning when I touch down in Miami and we'll know from there. But as of right now, he's questionable. In other injury news, the team did provide an update about rookie forward Muhammad Gay, and they mentioned that he has increased his level of on-court activity from light on-court work to more intense on-court work. So that's nice to see some progression there. And yeah, I, I think, you know, this team still hasn't really given a lot in terms of how DeAndre Hunter is doing since their last update where they said that he had also increased his on-court activity of the practices that I got to see in terms of, you know, just shooting and everything like that. Hunter was not there, but he's been at games and, you know, you hope that he's getting closer to being brought back, but he is also out for Friday's game against the Heat. So, yeah, you hope that the Hawks make some moves soon so that they can have a little bit more depth so that with a guy like DeAndre Hunter being out, it's not as uh, detrimental or worrisome about how their defense will look on any given night. Yeah, I feel like as far as the rumors are concerned from based on last week when we talked, you feel like things maybe started to heat up a little bit between the Lakers and the Hawks as far as Jonte Murray, and then you feel like they kind of died down based on who, which certain players Hawks want. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's kind of gone back to being a little quiet. Again, we had the big trade a couple days ago, mm-hmm. which was the Pascal Siakam trade. I think it's a great move for to Indiana. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, they're, they're playing really well without him. Once they get Halliburton back, which is pretty close with him, Siakam, yep. Turner, like you have a solid group there well coached with carlisle there as well they bolster their defense they get some more offense and i don't think they gave i know they gave up some first round picks but as far as players i like nora brown Brown. nora brown and then the raptors in another trade gets kyra lewis who really didn't do too much in new orleans but does have the potential has the speed the quickness but not really Mm -hmm. the shot making ability um Mm -hmm. so i think it worked out for both teams and again so many teams are trying to go for Siakam. I think maybe the Hawks mm-hmm. are one of those teams as well. But they yeah, had they Indiana must have gotten word that yeah. he's going to sign long term with them. Otherwise, they don't do that. I don't think. I don't think they rent him yeah. for a year. A oh, year. that I I think they had to have gotten some assurance that he was willing to resign. Otherwise, you don't give up a couple of first round picks or three right. first round picks to a guy who's not going to resign when he enters free agency. But yeah, the Hawks haven't been in. The, the Siakam talks for a while from what I understand. So it's not, they didn't really lose out on anything because they had kind of already taken themselves out of the, the conversation. Right. It does feel like though, just again, Murray's name being brought up so much. I think it's just a matter of time where there's him. smoke, there's yeah. fire. The question is just which team and when. And so I think once yeah. you get that out of the way, we talked about this last week. Then we're going to have to you hit the reset button as far as how we evaluate this team for the rest of the Mm -hmm. year, depending on what they get back, who they who they give up, move on from where Mm -hmm. are they in the standings when it comes to that? Because, look, they're a game back of ninth, But after that, they're like they're four and a half back of eight. Yeah. Um, You're starting to dig yourself a little bit of a hole there where it seems like the play in 
is where you're suited for or maybe out of the plane, mm-hmm. depending on what you give up in a trade. If they say we're punting on this year, let's get some players for the future. First round picks mm-hmm. for DeJounte if they can. If you do get some mm-hmm. pieces back, you're still getting pieces back that hopefully will help you out in the future. I don't know. I don't think you're getting win now pieces in a trade back from Murray. It might be some guys that can help you out right now, but maybe yeah. it's more towards friendlier contracts, longer term contracts, couple years left in the book mm-hmm. so that they maybe can develop younger guys a little bit more. So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of yeah. time. It's the question of is is when is it going to happen? Yeah, I think my understanding is that they want, of course, some friendlier contracts and some first round picks, particularly because they want some flexibility as they move forward. They don't want to take on too many, too many long term deals because when you look at their books, they have they're already paying quite a few guys. You know, they just extended Hunter last offseason and his contract just kind of kicked in. They have one more year of Clint Capella. So he might become a little bit more enticing to a team next year because his deal is expiring. And so that usually ups a, a player's value, particularly a player of Capella's age, which is so weird to say Capella's age. He's only 29 and we're talking his age, um, the nature of the NBA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and a guy like Bogey, you hate to say it, but a guy like Bogey who can shoot the ball, whose contract decreases over time, you know, that also becomes attractive to teams, particularly because of how, you know, the cap continues to go up and up and up each year. And you're taking on a guy who might be making a fraction of of that cap it looks it looks quite enticing to to people yes absolutely i think the capella thing is spot on i think maybe Mm -hmm. if you're the hawks you try to add him to any murray trade and say look Mm -hmm. you you need to take clint because you basically are eating his cap for one more year and you actually get some value for clint if you weren't planning on re-signing him next year after his Mm -hmm. deal's done why not get something in return for him now and a team that's you know a team that's getting Dejounte is ready to win now and if that's the case, yes. they can certainly use Clint for whether it's a starting center or at least some depth there. And depth mm-hmm. is the most important thing heading into the playoffs. So I think if you're the yep. Hawks, you try to package both of them in the same deal and see if you can get whatever you can out of them. And you're right. If the right trade comes along where someone's like, I really want bogey. Mm-hmm. He's he's the piece that we need. A shooter that can space the floor. And again, you're kind of out of it. I think mm-hmm. you do it. And again, you get some younger players, cap-friendly deals. You have some flexibility. You talk about Trey Young and Jalen Johnson being the two untouchable. Well, then you mm-hmm. have financial flexibility to put some players around them. And then you and also have the one thing. The question I had for you, real quick, is the trade exception that they got. Yeah, from I was. The Jazz. Li- we are on the same page. They still have that. that. As as, does that expire at all? That expires. So they had a year to use it. So they had up until they have up until. Um, July to use okay. it. So, so you don't have to use it right now, technically. They should though, because if yeah. it's gonna expire, right. you know, it's better to use it sooner rather than later. And you know, it's not that they have to spend that entire twenty three million dollars that they have left from. I think actually, you know what? I think they got that money back after they traded. Uh, it was either. Gruber or Ty Ty Usman Gruber or Ty Ty Washington 
So they may have gotten some of that money back. So they might still have technically the full $25 million um, trade exception from that John Collins deal. So they, they don't even have to use it on just one player. You know, they can use it on as many players as they want. And especially if you're going to end up trading a guy like DeJounte Murray, that's going to also create a, a trade exception. So they have a lot of flexibility with with money as far as making some deals happen. I think they might be the busiest team at the deadline, the Hawks. I think, again, there's yeah. teams that go all in, a lot of these contenders, but I think the Hawks might be shaping they should be deadline. They should be the busiest the is, busiest. is really the term. Right. Um, it's not that they will be, but they should be. Right. Exactly. It's how I look at it. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams keeping their eye on the Hawks and how that might be the domino effect. I think the Siakam one obviously was the big one. But I think mm-hmm. the Murray one is where you start again, because then you start listening to other offers. Oh, Bogey's available. Oh, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter's available. Capella's available. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I think these yeah, next couple weeks are going to be I big. think the big thing, though, is... I was going to say the big thing is that whatever deals they're making, they just have to make sure, in my opinion, that if if they're not moving towards retooling or rebuilding, whatever deal they make, they cannot end up being worse off (laughs) than what they started with. And I think that was the big thing with John Collins. It's not necessarily that they were worse off skill-wise, right? Because you you see the rise of Jalen Johnson, but they certainly were worse off depth wise. For sure. I think uh, this is going to be very important two weeks for them. And I'm mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to seeing when that, when the shoe's going to drop, as they say. It's crazy that it's only, well, technically it's a full three weeks away, right? Yeah. But I think for, uh, I think it's going to start earlier for the Hawks. I, again, this is just, you would hope instinct. so. I hope and I think, <laughs> but definitely hope. I want, I want, yeah. I want to see some change. Well, you and I will continue to watch it and we'll be here to report anything that happens. If a trade happens in the next couple of weeks, couple of days, Dan- Daniel and I will be here to give you guys an emergency pod. And hopefully we'll get some other voices in here too, because I know you guys love hearing Daniel and I, but I'm sure you'd love to hear from some other people too. Until then, I'm Lauren Williams, and this is the Hawk Support from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show streaming now on AJC.com.